0: Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a
1: This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today I have a living, breathing poet here in the studio with me. Flesh and blood. Her name is Kelia Ramirez. Is that the right way to pronounce that name? No,
2: it's Kelia Ramirez. So maybe if you, your first part and her last part go together.
1: Kelia Ramirez. Anais Nin always said the secret is to have an unpronounceable name. (laughs) She said that they will struggle to remember your name and eventually they will. Now, Kelia has been around here for ages. How long have you been at KPFA?
2: It'll be eight years in March.
1: My God, well, I've been here 20-some, quarter of a century. I guess we're just going to grow gray in the service of KPFA. Not as long
2: as there's hair dye. <laughs> a girl. Your hair is an interesting shade
1: of orange. I've gotten very simple. I've just gone to dark brown, but of course the roots are gray. Anyway, these poems I'm holding in my hand are Kelly's first book, first published book called Near the Ragged Edge of Earth. And she's gone and done it and looked into the abyss. Now I don't know why she wanna go and do a thing like that. She looks like a nice girl.
2: No, I'm a reporter.
1: <laughs> I know. It says here it says here. It says here that what is the word? What is the word for for Kelly besides being a renaissance woman? Uh,
2: Somebody who doesn't know what it is she wants to do?
1: Right. It says you're a professional reporter. And it says that you're investigating the familiar yet unknown forces at work. Ah, very nerve endings, yes. Who gets paid to jangle my nerves? Is that your line? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Susan Stone's forward to your book. Susan Stone was for many years the um, uh, chairperson, the mama bear of drama and literature here. And she has written a very thoughtful and interesting forward to this poetry collection. She says that Cynthia Ozick says that by writing... One is able to, quote, mimic that low electric hum, which sometimes rises to resemble actual speech, which all human beings carry inside their heads, a vibration that never leaves us while we are awake. It is the hum of perpetual noticing. Kalia is paying serious attention. Her poetry is a record of inquiry into who we are, what we are becoming. It tells us that the world is not simply turning, but tilting dangerously in these times of political and social madness. I love that bit about the humming, you know. Someone said that when you're sick or dying, you you begin to hum or sing. And I thought about it for a long time, and it's true. Do you talk to yourself when you're sick?
2: Uh... I talk to myself a lot anyway cuz I live alone. Do you sing? I used to. I was a trained singer. Well, you've got to go back
1: to it. I've been trying lately and I keep forgetting, you know, but it's funny. I've got a cat so they think you're talking just cat, but I I I had forgotten. It really keeps me alive. It's the breath. It's a kind of it is it's an electric hum. It's what is it? In the beginning was the voice, the voc, the voice. Uh. Anyway, I'm going to read you a part of Susan's forward, but I want to start out reading poetry because what happens is Jennifer starts to run her mouth. And Kelly, you have to stop me. Uh, and what I love the best bit in this forward, uh, she's talking about, Susan is talking about the public materials of language, and she says, the arrangement of words. Yes, Pinsky. Pinsky writes. Robert Pinsky writes. The arrangement of words people exchange all day like coins. You know, I give you a silver dollar and you give me uh, a fifty cent piece. Or what's what is that, Susan B. Anthony? Coin. Yes, yes. Yeah. We hand each other money back and forth. Uh, I'm gonna read some of that later what i like to do is get a few of these poems down so people begin to get a feeling or a flavor for your work uh just to see let's let's trade off let's just grab at it which is your pick for your
2: first poem well i came here by bus uh i'm used to public transportation, and a lot of my poetry is very reportorial. I just uh, report what I see, and so uh, driving the bus here. um, Driving the bus is very hard work, much too hard for me. I dare not presume to even try to move these behemoth machines, weaving in and out of traffic, sharing the road with cars, trucks, bikes, and and flesh-and-blood machines powered by feet. And that's just the single length buses, articulated ones, twice as long, crawling the road like the sandworms of Arrakis or the supergiant caterpillars, not the bulldozers Israeli soldiers use to raise Palestinian homes, are a special chore. Their length, their supple middles exaggerate each roadway bump. Is this a bus or a bucking bronc? Driving the bus is very hard work, much too hard for me. I daren't presume to keep the schedules, cycle the wheelchair lift, keep an eye peeled for vandals or worse, while also minding the road. Riding the bus is very hard work for the small black boy who sits in a front seat. Federal law says he must yield on demand to disabled or seniors. I daren't presume to know how he balances books on his knees, doing homework between bounces, talking to his mom, who can't leave him home while she's driving the bus.
1: Yes, those little kids, I, I was just saying before we went on air, there's a little girl I see, she gets up with mom at five in the morning when the route starts, you know, and mom drives it a couple times and then finally it's time for her to be dropped off at school, she has to do the rest of her sleeping on the bus. I want to read Design Defects because that seems to me it's pretty close. It, It's pretty close to your pain, but how would I know? This is called design defects. Each day I find a new red spot or fleck upon my skin. A capillary shattered past the point of ever healing. High blood pressure. The silent killer. A time bomb ticking uninsured and untreated by the transnational pharmaceutical conglomerates. Untreated, too, by herbs or diet. ...or meditation... ...defects in my infrastructure... ...built through generations... Ruby manifestations of my... ...subcutaneous rage... ...isn't rage amazing? It's the
2: only thing that gets me going... <laughs> it gets us going and it also destroys us... ...which is really the point of that...
1: ...exactly, it's what is it called, it's like... This is like a weight or a, it's, it's like cooking. It's like burning. It's like your, your brain, your heart, everything is, is burning. Let me read you four more lines and then I want to hear a long one from you. This is the one I've picked to have done in calligraphy and put over my desk. It's Kelly's poem, Witch. As in W-I-T-C-H. That witch. Shapes energy at will. To fill her needs, but cannot change a heart, hell-bent to burn her. Awesome. What you got?
2: Uh, I have this one called News Racks, which I think a lot of folks uh, will relate to here in Berkeley. Someone left potatoes on the newspaper rack in front of McDonald's on University in Shattuck. Not French fries, but three real tubers in their skins and garden-grown irregularities. Two oblong like yams, the third one thin like a carrot, enclosed in a clean, clear plastic bag under the bright solstice moon. Millennia ago, anonymous traders left their wares at the crossroads at monuments called Herms, sacred to the god of commerce. News racks and the tops of city garbage cans are the new Herms of Berkeley, where hunger and compassion anonymously trade their wares. I once left half a salad on Telegraph Avenue. Years ago, I left a dead pigeon on a news rack in front of a bus stop in Indianapolis. On a cold January morn, a few days after a snow, a car hit the bird. It must have been a glancing blow, for there was no blood. My neighbor, the illegal immigrant Mexican maid who had introduced me to Mole, gathered the bird to her bosom as a mother would a child. She tenderly cradled it in her coat as I approached. She was going to take it to the upscale home in which she worked in an effort to heal it as she told me of the accident the bird faded and died i'd never seen any creature higher than a goldfish die before the maid did not feel its death i broke the news she shrugged and handed me the corpse and i surprised to be handed a dead pigeon in indianapolis in january was grateful i was wearing gloves Mm -hmm. the bus came i left the pigeon's body on the news rack It was gone when I came home from work. Perhaps Hermes Cicopompos guided its spirit to Hades, then had squab for lunch. Hmm? (laughs) I was thinking, when I
1: read that, I was thinking of the Hermes. Those were uh, statues pretty much made, they they were supposed to be Hermes, but they had... uh, What is that? Uh, They had turned them into uh, just generic statues with uh, little pillars. We call them the pillars of society with little erected penises. And there was a story that uh, the women, some people thought it was Alcibiades, but the women of Athens one night got out and, and lopped off all the penises on these pillars of society. And there was a great brouhaha about it. It was, a, yeah, one of the capers of the uh, was it the uh, the phallic patriarchal times there. Uh, something, yes, it was a book I read about women in the time of Pericles. Uh, never mind, never mind, the Herms, yes. Uh, male pillars of society everywhere we look, you know, mostly in advertising. But people I'm talking to, I'll try it again. Kellia Ramirez 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 she's going to get me for this uh, She, she is a, in line uh, she's a poet who's been here at KPFA doing uh work in the trenches for eight years uh i was thinking now this book has just come out it's her first book and i was going to ask her where she got the nerve or the energy you know to put together this book it's a big book you got a lot of poetry most people you know make these what we call thin little volumes this is a fat book uh why did you uh do it yourself why did you just go ahead and do it now
2: well well, um I wanted it out and I didn't want to take all of that time shopping it around I felt that you know I probably would have to shop it around a lot being an unknown author and all that time of shopping it around I could actually have
1: it out you got it it's amazing to me these days when I think of the time and effort I've spent uh, the average number of times you have to send a poem out just to get one poem stuck in a little magazine you know it's just not cost effective I'm sorry you know I've got this file it's a mile deep and you know I know I know that the poets um, I don't want to discourage anybody from sending your work out but I do think especially now that we've you know we can all have web pages we better do this turn it into a cottage industry do it yourself and see what happens i think that's probably the most practical way uh i wish we had more poetry magazines but i i just i cannot believe the Sisyphus effort required, when I look back over a 20-year period, I was crazy. I just, I think I was just so anxious to have somebody say, yes, we will publish your work, you know. That's a waste of time. Uh, I'm going to do another book myself, you know. I think we'll both do it. Let's get busy. Let's get together, get a woman's group going and uh, get ourselves some books out, Kelly. I'll talk to you afterwards about that anyway. Uh <laughs> I wanted you to read um Locks and Keys you said that the topic was suggested by Dennis Bernstein
2: yes that poem it okay. was it was a uh May it was Memorial Day weekend a number of years ago, and I was taking care of my neighbor's cat and then going to their house to look in on the cat one evening, I left my own keys mm-hmm. and I came here I, I at least had a place to sleep at my neighbor's, but I was out of all of my usual stuff and I came here to look at my email and uh, uh Mentioned to Dennis that I was very upset and he, about this. And he said, well, why don't you write a poem about it? So locks and keys. Having locked myself out of my apartment, I pondered the illusion of solidity. If scientists are right, if atoms are just mostly empty space, why can't I walk through walls or rearrange my emptiness into a thinness that could slip under the door? Or why, at least, can't I, through telepathy, teleport the keys into my hand? How can these mostly empty walls impede the grasp of my thoughts? Could I individually... ...break the agreement on solidity and move the quantum idea of me anywhere at thought speed? Would creation come undone if this could be achieved by me or by anyone or by us all? Or could this be creation's next step, a permeability of boundaries between things, between dimensions... Could such be our destiny, but also a magic the gods withhold until we become a race that no longer needs locks and keys?
1: I remember what's that cliche you know when we lived where you could leave the doors open, even in Berkeley. I remember the uh, early 50s when I came here to go to Mills College. I lived, well, my uh, my lover lived on Hay Street, and it was a basement apartment. We left the doors open, and people just wandered in. It was about two blocks below Telegraph, you know, and there were just people sitting around, beer and whatever, you know, And it was open house, permanent open house, you know. We haven't been able to do that for half a century now. Uh, I want to read your poem, Beatitudes. I guess I just love the word Beatitudes. (laughs) Blessed are they who live the undivided life, who are paid for their passions. For they live while earning a living and need not purchase food for the body with the rare coin of the soul. For such as these, money is a grace note. Not the short end of a devil's bargain that exchanges the irreplaceable for the fungible and calls it compensation. Blessed are they who live the undivided life, who are not forced to choose between power and love, between love and work, between work and joy, between joy and power. For they are all surpassing survival and existence to become gods at play. In a heaven on earth, blessed are they. <laughs> there aren't very many, never have been, never have been. No, yes, this right. is called hell to need what you do not love, and to love what you cannot have. That's the opposite of the beatitude. Yes, the the strange thing about what is it, uh, Kellya? Have you seen this new series on HBO called Rome? No, I think I saw one. I gotta, I gotta get the, the first twelve episodes for you. It's a perfect uh, analogy, uh, parallel to the world we're living in now. It's like the current issue of the New Yorker has Bush as a Roman emperor, like Nero, you know, playing as Rome film. Every character in it, you know, Cicero is perfect for um, Senator Byrd you know, his blah, but it's just everything, you know, 250 years later, and you've got the same play, just changed the names, you know, and the writers, uh, well, they're not too ironic, you know, but it's just wildly funny, and I kept thinking, you know, do you suppose George Bush ever had, uh, well, not a classical education, but do you suppose he ever read any history? He, he's mentioned,
2: uh... What has he mentioned? He mentioned Camus. Well, because somebody told him to mention Camus. I got uh, it. But, uh, you know, some people say that there are only six or seven plots in the world. Yeah. So. Yeah, power politics began
1: in Rome. Well, it began before that. But Rome is pretty much the template, you know. For these machinations, the Senate caves, power concentrates at the top and you get a tyranny, you know. This uh, particular show, the 12, first 12 hours until the assassination of Caesar, uh, it's about the process through which a republic becomes an empire. You know, and people are corrupted, and then after the Caesar's assassination, the society falls apart from top to, to bottom. It's about what's happening to us now. Social justice, you know, social contracts broken, and even the, I mean, even the pagans had social contracts. But you see, what is it? The women and children go to slavery, and the, the men at every level. They become thugs and start eating each other up. It's fascinating. Never mind. I'll give you, a, uh, I'll make you come to my house and watch the darn thing. <laughs> Read me another poem.
2: Okay, well, this is about a person who I think fits the Beatitudes category. Um, and this is actually the poem that got me thinking it's time to publish. It's called Down the Left Field Line. In Oakland, Down the Left Field Line. We wait to welcome Bernsey back down the left field line while he limbers up and right. Each toss is longer till in center field his teammate gets what in a game might be a long throw home. In Oakland, down the left field line, we wait to welcome Bernsey back. Mm-hmm. He plays left field and fielding grounders pregame is his work. We know he'll come our way. And finally, he joins us jogging near the left field line. We wave and cheer, and Eric Burns waves back, a slight smile on his face. He knows a change in uni doesn't change the hearts of those who know that Northern California is his home. Home team has two meanings. In Oakland, down the left field line, we watch our Burnsy, who's come back in unfamiliar garb to practice taking grounders in left field. He throws the balls from left to second base, as in a game he'd throw a runner out. He stops to rest. We wave and cheer, and Eric Burns waves back a slight smile on his face. He knows a change in uni doesn't change the hearts of those who know that Northern California is his home. Home team has two meanings.
1: (laughs) This is called libation. When Socrates, condemned for impiety, for corrupting Athens' youth, was handed the cup of hemlock, he asked. If there was enough... To pour a libation to the gods. A libation of poison. (laughs) Were you going to read Radical Left Journalism? Uh, No, so you can. Can can. I can? Sure. Okay, I'm going to read it real quick and then I want more from you. It's called Radical Left Journalism. At the end of the day, we cannot save them all. Some fall through the cracks all the time. They're falling even as you read these words falling through the cracks that are widening into canyons, into an abyss. We cannot save them all. We cannot save most. And in our moments of despair, we wonder if we can save even one. But we try and still they fall to raise consciousness and still they fall to raise hope, falling still to raise a hue and cry more, falling for reason more that will drown out still the cries for vengeance through the cracks. We counter bloodlust with mercy ever widening and still they fall into an abyss. So still we try to bring forth the day the barbarities end. Even If that day is well beyond our allotted span. Right, yes, the harvest of which shall be not yet. I was reading that last night. I was thinking of Julia Vinograd's poem. She has a couple poems called Falling Through the Cracks, I think. I remember, or maybe there's one of the books has that title. But I was thinking of, uh, actually, there was a movie in front of me. I think it was... Woody Allen's Stardust Memories, and they make a comedy of it. Uh, They say that Woody is suffering from what they call Ozymandias Melancholia. Do you remember Ozymandias Melancholia? (laughs) Anyway, it's this thing about we're all going to jazz heaven, and then Woody Allen says, no, that's soppy. We can't have that. And finally, the aliens come and say, you want to help save the world? Tell funnier jokes. (laughs) And I thought, you know, it's very hard. It's very hard these days to figure out what is it what can be done there's a Tolstoy line what is it what then shall we do and I tried asking myself that for 10 years I think when I was about your age about half a century along I finally said you know I guess we do what we can for me that's not very much you know but every day it's called well okay what can I do you know can I give the kid on the bus a book and I did what the mother thought that was kind of condescending but anyway I did it You know, it's like, just go ahead and try. Give it a little shot. And even if it comes off kind of shallow, you know, I'm not the type who goes to the barricades. How about you? you ready for the barricades?
2: No, I did my barricading in the teens and 20s. I went through all of that.
1: You did it and it, it did it. Did it meet your needs? Did did it help you? I mean, did it focus you at all?
2: At, at the time, yes. But now I just kind of feel that people are not going to really stick to the barricades, so I've got better things to do. Uh, it's very hard t- to know where
1: we're supposed to be at a certain time, you know, in our lives and process. I have a lot of trouble with that. You know, those of us who do the reading and the writing and the... You know, the chattering classes. Um, it's hard to know whether or not we're accomplishing anything. Personally, I think so. I think that uh, language, word work is sublime. You know, that we create a world with the words. And uh, uh, what is it? It's better than nothing. It's my world. But I still have this knowing feeling every morning that I'm supposed to get up and go out and get bloodied. (laughs) Read me a poem. Read me a
2: poem. Okay, this is one a couple of friends have liked the best. Okay. Uh, The Spaniel. The tired businessman came home and looked askance at Spaniel lying on the floor. Another thing before the man could have his rest. A meal and lounger for TV. The dog looked up and wagged his tail, but did not leap to meet the the man excitedly. Not that he feared his master's blow. Master never hit the spaniel, and he almost never yelled. And when he did, it was likely at crabgrass or a sink of dishes, junk mail, or telemarketers. It was that look that kept the dog away, that look that said that he was in the way. The way of what? The spaniel could not tell at all. It's taking too much time, you say, to put some spoons of dog food in my bowl, to walk a few blocks with me twice a day. Our kids are grown. The mistress left to live with cats. Another man calls her his wife. We're not the same, except for our routine. You shake my leash and say, come on, flea bag." <laughs> I come as called, though my brain dulled with age insists in youth I had another name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick.
2: Kelia Ramirez, give us your website. Tell us where we can get the book. Uh, on my online uh, website, That uh, rise, the number four news.net. And if you go to the uh, MLB uh, site and catch uh, my Burns blog, you'll find a link to it there. You sure? Yeah.
1: Okay. This has been Kilia Ramirez with Thomas. Jennifer Stone and we've been trying to read uh, her poems. I have 40 more poems here to read. Maybe we can do it again soon. Uh, poetry saves lives, folks. It's all we've got. <laughs>
0: On Thursday, November 3rd, from 5 to 9 p.m., the community is invited to hear from recent participants on the Indigenous and Women of Color Feminist Delegation and the African Heritage Delegation to Palestine. Presenters include Angela Davis, Rabab Abdulhadi, Melissa Garcia, Gina Dent, Gerald Van and Wazia Tawin. Delegation members will discuss the indivisibility of justice in the struggles for self-determination, human rights, and dignity waged by Palestinians, African Americans, Latinos, and indigenous people in North America. Donations will be accepted and proceeds will benefit the Arab and Muslim Diasporas Initiative and Interfaith Peace Builders. This event takes place at Jack Adams Hall and the Cesar Chavez Student Center on the campus of San Francisco State University. It is wheelchair accessible. For more information, call 415 415- 415